You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. It was a significant one. It was. We won't say which significant one. <laughs> it doesn't matter. 60 years old this past week. It's. It sounds funny to say it because... I bet. Not, not that I care that I'm 60. Like, I don't care because I don't like the alternative. So, right. <laughs> so to be able to say that I'm 60, I'm totally cool with that. It's just, yep. I don't feel like I'm 60. You don't look 60. You don't I, act 60. I, I'm not I think, trying to say you're immature. <laughs> I think back to, you know, my parents and other family members, you know, who have passed. And I think when they were 60, man, they were old. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It's definitely a different perspective when you get there. But like I've always told my husband, I said, I'll be 95 years old in the nursing home and I'll be the one going, ladies, cheap tricks coming. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I'll be the one, you know, getting everybody right. for the concerts and, you know, doing the trips for the baseball games and whatnot, because that's what keeps you young. Yeah. My body might be 60. And yeah, my body is 60. You know, my body feels 80, yeah. but my head, but it's, it's I'm, all, it's I'm the, still a the kid. food. My, my husband's love language is food. So it's, it's the food. It's the rounded cheeks that keeps me looking <laughs> younger. So time for geekiest show ever. 342. 342. We're going to talk about sinking snafus today. Mm -hmm. A lot of sinking snafus all over the world, but we're going to talk about the, the geeky ones, the technological ones that mm -hmm. trip us up. The ones so where do you want to start? Well, one of the things that uh, you had mentioned is you have an iOS reminders PSA. I do. I do. You want to dive in with that? Sure. So you have a problem with syncing with third-party apps like Calendars 5? Yeah. So I use the Riaddle, Readle apps, um, in particular, Calendars 5. That's one of my favorite calendars. And, you know, I've been talking about, you know, when we talk about distance learning and stuff, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, one of the, the main things that I have been testing out, because I do want to do a deeper dive later, you know, in some other episode, I really love calendars, to-do li to do lists, to-do syncing lists, reminders, um, anything that can help keep me on task, you know, on, on a track. And I especially suffer with it with my kids. You know, it's bad enough I, I get the fibro fog and, you know, I run a small business and then managing my kids here at home. I need to have something that keeps me on schedule, that keeps me on task or that lets me know what's coming up so that when I do schedule something, you know, I know where to book it and that sort of thing. So I've been using, I've always been using Apple's, I try to use as much as, as I can, Apple's apps, but then occasionally I'll venture out into a third-party app. And let me tell you, I am, you know this, I am super, super picky. I mean, it is really, it's got to meet, you know, very certain conditions and needs for me to be able to rely on it, you know, all the time. And Calendars 5 is, after trying many, many apps, that has been the the calendar that I like the best as far as a third party app is concerned. It just does way more, has way more features than just the standalone native iOS calendars app does. Okay. Now I don't, it's not something I use on the Mac. It's only something that I use for my iPhone, occasionally on my iPad and on my watch too. So the reason why this has been pretty crucial for me is because now with the kids being at home and they each, they're in separate grades, so they have separate schedules. And then my husband has his schedule. I've been trying to figure out how to replicate, you know, we talked about this before, like how to replicate the bell schedule at home. And so I've been trying, you know, different things. And I started out with trying to just add an alert. Now you can do this in iOS calendars as well. But just adding, they let you do, you know, one alert, like say, if you want to be reminded in 30 minutes from now. Now, for example, for the kids schedules, I want to know which class they're supposed to be in to make sure that they're staying on time because sometimes they'll They'll go, you know, they'll be away for lunch or they'll take a recess, like especially the little one. And he'll like not get back to class on time. Or now we have the additional added bonus of, well, you know, you got to pad it with a couple minutes because you could have trouble trying to get Zoom to log in, you know, trying to get connected. So there's that to, to be aware of. So this is all to say that, you know, scheduling and reminders and alerts and things like that are really, really super important. So I had it set up where for each of their classes, I have the alert set to go off at the time of the event. But say, for example, if it's lunch or recess, like when they're coming back, that class, then I have an alert set for five minutes before and then for the, the time so that I can sort of kind of like, you know, teach them to have some independence and not constantly be nagging them, but also be kind of like looking out like, oh, look at my watch, you know, 
What class are you supposed to be in at? You know, are you, are you goofing off? Are you, you know, what are you doing? So that's what I've been using that for to try to kind of help wrangle that. Now, with the calendars, at first I thought, well, if I go into the calendars app and I set an alert, I really want those alerts to be for me. I want the kids to have their own alerts too. And we talked about this last time, like, you know, maybe them having a watch or, you know, some kind of timekeeping device. But I didn't necessarily want it to be barraging my husband's screen with stuff while he's trying to teach class. You know, so I, I really wanted this to be something that was on an individual basis. So at first I set off, I set up the alerts and every time I make a change, then they get a notification and I was getting messy. There was just all these little hiccups along the way that kind of made me feel like, Maybe using calendar alerts wasn't necessarily the best way to go. So then you had even said it like, well, what if you just use the reminders app? Well, so this is this is kind of the, the where the PSA comes into play. This is kind of the gotcha. Now, all this time, I have been using the reminders app. I, I love the reminders app for, for what it does. I love being able to talk to my watch and say, remind me in 15 minutes, you know, go, go check the washer or, you know, 15 minutes, go check on the kids or something like that. I love being able to talk to my watch and have it just do the thing and have it come up as a reminder. That's why it's called reminders. But see, what I'm learning is that there's really a difference. It's Now, this could all be different in iOS 14. I haven't dug that deep into it yet. I've, I've only done iOS 14 on a few devices. And again, like this is research that I'm kind of doing for the future. So maybe if we get listener feedback after you hear this, you might be like, well, duh, Melissa, you just got to do this, you know, or yeah, this is going to fix your problem later. You just need to upgrade or whatever. I would love to be able to hear that. And you want to tell the listeners where they can send that information while I take a drink? <laughs> <laughs> Please send us all your feedback to podcast at geekyshowever.com. Questions, comments, reminders, uh, suggestions from Melissa. We'd love to hear <laughs> from you. Podcast at geekyshowever.com. Continue. All right. Thank you. So, uh, so I've been using the reminders app and all this time I had not, I had upgraded to iOS 13 when, you know, when it came out, but then remember, I don't remember if you remember back then there was that caveat that was like, okay, you've now upgraded, but you need to know that you need to do an extra step to upgrade your reminders app. Mm -hmm. And you might not want to upgrade if, and then there was this kind of like list of like caveats. And one of those big ifs was if you are sharing a reminders list with someone else or with another device that isn't up to snuff, that isn't upgraded as well, you're going to lose access to that reminders list. And I had those conditions because I had a shared shopping list. That's another thing I'd like to do on my watch. I like to, to say, hey, S lady, add eggs to the shopping list. And then it would do it right there for my watch. And then that shopping list is what was synced to my husband's list. Now, Aside from the fact that we're using, we were using like a grocery gadget. I love that app. But then, you know, with the pandemic, that changed the way that we do shopping. So we don't shop the same way that we used to. So this adding it to my shopping list that syncs between my husband's devices and mine became kind of more of the go-to than the grocery gadget did. You with me so far? So I had a synced list with him. Then a while ago, also, I had also had a synced list with a client because it was something where we were working on a project back and forth together and we were using the iOS reminders app to you know check things off and anytime she had a question she would put it in there then I'd get an alert and then I could go and like use that as a basis for okay this is what we're going to work on in this session right so that was a pretty legit reason to have a shared list well she didn't want to upgrade her device and I did so there we are again I still could not upgrade the reminders app within iOS 13. So for the longest time, I have been just using the Reminders app, the old version or whatever you, whatever you will. And then um, a couple months ago, something happened to another client where she accidentally deleted her reminders. She accidentally deleted like, I guess, three lists or something. She doesn't know how she did it. You know, these things happen. And I was so proud because I was able to get her reminders lists restored. And the way that you do that is you go to iCloud.com, you sign in with your Apple ID, you scroll, you go to the settings section, you scroll all the way to the bottom, and you can restore your calendars and reminders. Okay, so it's synchronized. And I guess it's, it's, it's those two things that are part and parcel with each other, um, calendars and reminders. And I was able to get them restored. I thought, wow, this is really cool. You know, and I shared that tip with other people. And they're like, oh, that's really great. Okay. So I knew so I had those bits of information. I knew that I couldn't upgrade unless I was willing to sacrifice shared reminders lists and that if something got borked that I could restore it. Those are the things that I knew that I thought I knew at the time. So then fast forward to recently, 
I've been trying to prepare, you know, my devices, backups. I do all this kind of sort of like these rituals of, you know, getting ready to upgrade because I want to make sure everything is all backed up. <laughs> That's the irony. The ironic part of this whole thing is I tried so hard to make sure everything was backed up. I use iAmazing to back up my stuff. It wasn't in there, by the way. Uh, so I went and I thought, okay, I'm going to bite it. I'm just going to upgrade the reminders because I had since taken care of those other shared things. The shopping list, I was like, okay, we're going to use Microsoft to do for this. That's working better for us. Fine. Whatever. That was taken care of. Um, the shared list that I had with the client, we finished those projects. We, we moved on. That was no longer an issue. I, I thought, okay, I'm done with the shared list. I can now upgrade the reminders app and I can see what the big fuss is about and you know, in preparation for iOS 14. And then I can really kind of take stock of what the differences are. So I was ready, right? So I, so I pressed the button. I, I, I pressed it. I pressed the button and I upgraded to the, the new version of Reminders. And I thought, okay, well, there's not a whole lot of difference. But of course, I saw that that shopping list went away. Okay, I knew that was going to happen. Big deal. Well, immediately what, what also happened was the, the Reminders list that I had created <laughs> for the Bell schedule. So I, I don't remember if I told you this part or not. So that's what I was starting to tell you was that I was I had been using the calendars app, the calendars five app. I was using that for alerts to keep track of the bell schedule. Then you said, you know, well, what about the reminders app? I thought, OK, I'll try that. Oh, but, you know, I haven't upgraded it. Well, I'll just make these new lists anyway. I'll just test it out. So I spent, you know, maybe a good 20 minutes or so creating the, the bell schedule for both the kids so that for each and every class, you know, that a reminder would go off. And I thought, let me see if I like this better then using a calendar alert. Like maybe I'll like it better if I see it pop up on my watch and then I can customize the tone of the sound. You know, all I had different reasons for why I wanted to try it that way. So I had I had two different lists, a green and a blue list for the kids. And I had all their their bell schedules in there. So it was a pretty hefty list is what I'm what I'm trying to say. And when I tapped upgrade and I saw the shopping list disappear and then I looked and I saw I saw their bell schedules disappear too. And I thought, oh crap, I lost those lists. And it didn't really make sense because they weren't shared. I didn't share. So I didn't, in other words, I wasn't expecting them to go away. Here, what happened was it, it wasn't because they were a shared list. They went away because I was also experimenting. <laughs> that's the key word, <laughs> experimenting with the tasks section in calendars five. In the calendars five uh, iOS app, there's a task section. And the thing that got me, I got caught, okay, and this is why this is a PSA was I had the switch turned on for sync iOS reminders. And what had happened was I had deleted those lists from calendars five because there's a difference between the way that it looks in calendars five. I think the way it is, is when a reminder comes up, there's snooze ratios, I'll call it. So you can either say remind me in 15 minutes or remind me this afternoon or remind me an hour tomorrow or something like that. And whatever the case was. I liked the iOS reminder snooze options better than the calendar five task options. You with me so far? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I deleted them out of the calendar five, calendars five tasks section. And the, the part where I was caught was I had left the switch turned on that said sync with iOS reminders. See, they give you the option to not sync it. So what I should have done, and this is what you should do if you're going to play around with this stuff. So this is specifically if you are monkeying around with third-party apps that sync with iOS, these are the things you have to be aware of. What I should have done was I should have gone into my iOS reminders. Now, truth be told, see, I couldn't do this because that's, I think that's what happens is it, it broke it on the Mac because I haven't upgraded my Mac to the latest system yet either. So I guess the, the moral of the story is you have to be upgraded to the latest everything before you go and do this stuff. But what I should have done before I even before I even upgraded the reminders app on my iOS devices, I should have backed it up in the Mac before I lost it all. I should have backed up or backup isn't the right word. I should have exported. I should have ex. You can go to File Export in the Reminders app and then export the whole list and it saves it as a .ics file. I should have done that first so that I had a copy of them elsewhere that I could restore from. I don't know if that would have worked, you know, in the grand scheme of things later, but at least I would have had a copy of it somewhere. And then I should have, then I should have done, I should have made sure that that switch was turned off. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I should have upgraded and seen what happened. So the whole point is backup, backup, backup. But you also have to test your backups as well as just backing up. Because I also noticed that I, I couldn't retrieve it from iAmazing either. 
That's strange that you couldn't get it from my amazing. Right, because I that's what I fully expected to be able to do. And then the biggest the biggest snafu of all, this is why this is this is also a PSA, and I I'll put a link in, in the show notes. I looked at this after the fact, and I remember I started the story by saying I felt like I had all my bases covered. I felt like I had already practiced this because I did help a client get her reminders restored. And I thought, well, I should be able to do that for myself. What about Time Machine? Did you try Time Machine? Yep. I, I opened up the Reminders app and then I went into Time Machine. Nope. Takes you right back to Finder. So I couldn't find like where it would have been backed up in Time Machine. And again, that's why I want feedback because maybe, maybe I'm missing something there. So the last place that I went to go look, which, which I assumed that was the wrong thing to do, would have helped me is if you go to iCloud.com and you go to the settings, like you log in with your Apple ID and you go to the settings and you scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, it used to say, <laughs> used to say restore calendars and reminders. And ever since I upgraded, it doesn't say that anymore. All it says is restore calendars. And then I thought, well, gee, that's funny. It was just there when I checked it before, but nope. Ever since I upgraded, now that changed. It doesn't say that you can restore reminders. And then if you go to the link where I put it in the show notes, there, there is, it says in this one little portion, and I quoted it, it says, restore your calendars and reminders. This is from the support.apple.com page. It says, you can restore your calendars and events together with your reminders and reminder lists from an earlier version that was automatically archived in iCloud. So that's if you're doing iCloud backups. If you have shared calendars or shared reminders lists, all sharing information is removed when you restore calendars and reminders. And that I knew too, because I've done that before where I restored something and the sharing broke, I just had to reshare it. And since it was my husband's phone, not a big deal. Then it says you have to share your calendar, your calendars and reminders list skin and ask the other people to reinvite you to share their calendars and reminders lists. Okay. Then it says, note, if you're using upgraded reminders and has a hyperlinked, you can't restore reminders. So that's the gotcha. So you have to know that if you're going to be monkeying around with this stuff, if you're using third-party apps that sync with iCloud and an iOS reminder specifically, that you will not be able to restore them if something gets borked. So that's what happened to me. Now, luckily, this wasn't like years and years and years of a, of a to-do list or something like that. This was just a bell schedule that I can easily recreate you know, it's a pain, it's an inconvenience, it's not the end of the world, but it's still, it's stinky. <laughs> you know, it just really bothered me that after all of the things that I knew, I still got caught. <laughs> I knew what to do and I still got caught. So, so this is just to say, you know, just be careful. If, if this sounds like you, if you think that you're going to be monkeying around with this stuff, if you're experimenting with this and you listen to the show and you know what the kind of geeks are, when you know we're constantly tinkering and experimenting with stuff, if this is you, then then this you got to be aware of this. You got to know that the upgraded version of the reminders cannot be restored. It just bothers me because, like, why everything else can be restored? Why can't that be restored? So I'm not quite exactly sure. But about how that. is your reminders as far as syncing? So if you check off something, uh, you have a reminder to take out the trash tomorrow at nine o'clock, and you check it off on your phone. Does it check off on your iPad? Yes, it had that part was was okay. It was synchronizing. The problem was, and this is this is why I went on to look at other to do lists. See, because reminders for me, and again, this this might be different in iOS fourteen, and this is something I'll be looking for. These are kind of benchmarks that I use to measure things. Uh, but in iOS thirteen, the the reminders as it as it stands was really only good for reminders. Now, I saw that they have subtasks and stuff like that. I saw that that's, you know, a part of the new reminders, and I haven't dug deep enough into that. But I could not stand the fact that when I have something on the Apple Watch, because you got to think about which device are you going to be using the most for this. And, and for these kinds of things, for something to remind me, for something that's an alert that, that I want to be nagged about, I want it to show up on my watch, and I want to be able to check it off on my watch. And the thing that I did not like about reminders on the watch had been that if you tapped it, you couldn't see the note that was attached to it on the watch. It would check it off and then it would synchronize as, as, as it being done. And I was like, no, I still want to be reminded about that. Or that's still something that I want to be thinking about that needs to be done. I didn't want to check it off. All I wanted to do was just see what the other details were. And I couldn't expand it on the watch. And that's what was bothering me about that. So that's why I stopped using the iOS reminders app as a 
task list, as a to-do list, because it really is just a reminder. And a reminder and a task list are kind of two different things. You know, a reminder is like something that kind of nags you, like, okay, 15 minutes is up, go. You know, it's almost like a timer that goes off. Well, that's but why it's a I reminder. use do. I just don't like I know. reminders. I like yep. do. Yeah. So we're, we're both in agreement on that. And I can totally see why. Now, we'll talk about, about do in the future. In fact, maybe I'll try to reach out to the developer or something. I, I looked at do, and I really wanted to see if it was a contender for, for this need that I have. But the problem is, like I've told you in the past, like there's no try it before you can buy it version. You kind of have to commit. You have to jump right in. You have to spend the money on the app even if you don't like it. And then there's like another upgrade process where you could get upgrades for life. And I, I just don't know. You know, I want to be able to try it. I don't want to have to just, you know, waste, what is it, like 30 bucks or something. It was like, you know, because I want to use it on the Mac and the watch and the phone. I want to use it on all the devices. And to do that, it was going to be a significant cost. So that's what's kept me from doing that. If it was something where it was free and then I had to pay for an upgrade to get like pro features or something, then that would be good. But so as it stands now, you there's no way to try it before you can buy it. So that's what's kept me from doing that. So that is my PSA for iOS reminders. If you're going to be tinkering around with this stuff, take take a listen and 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 make sure that you've got things backed up in multiple places and try to practice it. I, I try to do it. So these are just little extras that you can think about if it's something that you're going to dive into. We're going to t- spend some time now talking about 1Password and creating a shared vault. And where this came from is Melissa came up with a, uh, she created a shared vault for her and I to share some passwords relating to Geeky Show ever. And that made me think, because I didn't realize that you could do that when you had a single license. And that made me think that I need to do that with my husband to give him some passwords for the credit cards and things like that, because I take care of all the bills. I take care of everything. And I always say to him, you better hope I don't die because he is going to be screwed. So I thought, let me do this and then I can show him everything that's in here because, you know, some if anything were ever to happen where I'm incapacitated, he needs to be able to take over and he needs to know what the passwords are. But I couldn't figure out how to do it because it just wasn't working properly on my phone. So I texted Melissa about it and I said, you know something? Let's save it. Don't answer this now. Let's save it for the podcast. (laughs) So this is where you come in, Melissa, to explain to me Mm -hmm. and to the listeners how we create a shared vault. Okay, so just to reiterate a little bit, the the purpose of doing this now, just so that you know, both Elisa and I have standalone licenses for 1Password. Neither one of us are using the subscription model. And we both have our reasons for that. And I mean, for Elisa, it's really simple. She's one person and she's not sharing with a whole bunch of people till now. <laughs> and she just has, you know, you just have your Mac, you have your iPhone, you have your devices, and you're using still the, the standalone version of 1Password 6 and I'm using version 7. So that's just kind of the, the precursor to this. Those, those, are our, those are our settings there. Um, you know, we both kind of feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But then, you know, there may come a time where Okay, well, it may not be broken, like for me at least, it may not be broken, but it could be a whole lot better. And then I have to try to figure out, okay, is the whole lot better worth paying X amount of dollars for? Okay. So the other thing is that, you know, I'm a family. We're a family of four. If you include like my dad and, you know, other people that I support, five or more. Um, and then we each have like I run my own small business as a freelancer. My husband works as a teacher in a public, you know, public education. So he's, you know, that's his he has his work and his personal. You know, so we have our our personal, we have our work lists, our our work vaults, let's just say. And then in my family, we have our kids. So in Elisa's situation, she's only got herself. And then like she wants to try to add her husband into the fold. And so the purpose would be for, you know, syncing for yourself as an individual or syncing with one other person, as in like, say, a couple or a marriage. Or let's say it's not even that. Let's say it's between just the two of us, like podcasters. You know, we're just podcasters. We're managing a podcast. Occasionally, there's going to be things that we're going to share. Now, if we were a little bit deeper into it, like I've been involved in podcasts where there's a whole lot more going on. Maybe you're sharing a bank account for, you know, collecting advertising fees and paying hosting fees. And you're sharing all the passwords for your social um, sharing accounts, all that kind of stuff. The, the idea is that you're building a digital footprint and you want to be able to keep a lot of that stuff private between just you and your, your own devices. But then you want to be able to share it with select people. Okay. 
So one password does have a subscription model that allows for this and it's called there's the there's a family plan. Now there's also for business and enterprises and there's various different price points for those. We're only going to be focusing through this discussion on just the individual versus the family plan because that's kind of where our experience is coming from. So we had this need where we wanted to share a vault just between the two of us and so I just I wasn't even, you know, it wasn't it was just kind of like a you know, second nature to me because I've been using 1Password for like over 10 years now. And this is the way that I've always done it is I have my own primary vault and then each of the kids and my husband, they have their own primary vaults on their devices. And then we have a vault between my husband and I that we share. We just called it shared. And that's for things like Hulu, Netflix, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And so we've been using Dropbox for that all these years. Now, the thing about that is um, so the problem that Elisa ran into is she's just using iCloud. She, you're just using iCloud between your own devices. And then, am I correct? Is ta- your husband has his own iCloud account then, right? His own Apple ID? Right. And when I tried to create a vault for him, it never gave me the option of iCloud. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, this is a pain. And he doesn't have Dropbox. And so now I'm going to have to set up a Dropbox account mm-hmm. for him. So the problem that I personally find using iOS is that one password on iOS is not as intuitive as it is on the Mac. And I do 99% of my, for lack of a better word, maintenance on mm-hmm. the Mac. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm just doing something like I need a password because I'm on the iPad, well, then, yeah, you just, you know, copy and paste if it doesn't automatically go in on its own. But if I'm trying to do any kind of syncing, I do that through the Mac because it's just easier mm-hmm. to figure out. Right. It's a much bigger screen. And yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for myself, I use both, I would say probably equally. I mean, if you think about, if you're thinking about one password on your phone, it's really like a lookup tool. You know, if you're using the phone, of course, you know, I like the login feature, the autofill login feature, because, you know, then you're not constantly going back and forth and copying and pasting. I mean, that, that to me is just worth its weight in gold. Um, but there might come a time where like I use it a lot, like say when I, well, this is before, before COVID, but when I would go to the school and volunteer and I'd have to work on a computer where I'd have to access my Google drive and things like that, I didn't want to save any of my stuff on a school computer. That's a public computer. So then I'm using my phone as a lookup tool. So, you know, for that, it's, it's really a great, you know, just, it's like having the keys in your hand with a master set and you're just looking it up, but then you're having to like automatically, you know, you're having to, instead of automatically, you're having to manually key it in. So that becomes troublesome. So that's why having stuff and doing that maintenance directly on your phone is so much easier because you have the autofill feature. And that's what ended up breaking for me. I'm not sure about you, but for for me, that's why I ended up having to upgrade to to the standalone license on Mac for version seven was because when they did something that they changed in Safari where you couldn't install third-party extensions, um, I guess... Oh, they had to come through the Mac App Store. I think, isn't that what happened? You couldn't install a third-party extension in Safari anymore. Right. Well, first of all, I don't use Safari. I used Chrome. Okay, well, yeah. And second I, of all, I don't, even though I've got the extension, I use mm-hmm. the menu bar extension. So that, uh, okay. goes, that, mm-hmm. you, that goes through everything. You can I use see. it for Safari. You can use it for Firefox. You can use it for Chrome. So does that mean that you're copying and pasting to get your passwords in there? No, no. So the autofill is working for you? Mm-hmm. I just use okay. the touch bar for my ID. So I don't have to type mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. password. I just use the touch bar. Every couple of weeks, it makes me do it, which is fine. Sure. But yeah. I use my, you know, use my finger for the touch bar to open it. And then I just click. So if it's if I'm going on my bank, I just click the name of the bank and it just fills it right in. Oh, I see. So you're clicking the open and fill button probably when you're doing it from the menu bar? No. So say your bank is Bank of America and yeah. I'm on the Bank of America page where it says um, name and password. Yeah, I just click the the little key icon, the lock in the menu bar. Call it, in the menu bar, okay, and it drops down, and it knows that I'm on yeah. Bank of America, so it says Bank of America on it. I click Bank of America, and it automatically fills in my name and password. Okay, see that wasn't that broke for me, and it broke for a couple of clients. It wasn't doing the autofill part, so I'm not sure what what broke that, but that's what led me to believe that I needed the new version because the it will. So the so that that's the the mini that shows up in the menu bar. That's called One Password Mini, mm-hmm. and I love that thing. Like I use it a lot, but I hadn't been using it for autofill things. 
for, for whatever reason, it, it wasn't working that way for me. I'll have to reinvestigate that. Yeah, because if you need a new password, you have a new password yeah. generator. When I need yeah. to fill in yeah. my credit card information, mm-hmm. I have all my credit cards in there. So I just like, which credit card shall I use? And just like, you mm-hmm. know, pick a credit card, fills it right in. Mm-hmm. It also could have been like, maybe I just liked the browser extension better because maybe it's a little bit more limited and doesn't have the the long drop down list. I, I think it was also a speed issue too, because I think I think maybe it was working on an older computer or something like it would take a long time for it to drop down and then hover over. Or maybe it was a muscle control thing where I hated having to like, I couldn't control the mouse pointer enough that I needed to to hover in the right spot. So for me anyway, I liked using the the Safari, or I should just say the browser extension. And because I was using Safari, you know, all the time, like now I'm using Firefox more, so it's not as much of an issue. But the issue was at the time that the browser extension wasn't working properly anymore. So either way, I needed to upgrade anyway, because, you know, more and more clients were upgrading and I really needed to, you know, kind of be where they are. And plus, I just, I really, really love the app. And I, you know, I just thought it was time. There was more and more features that I really wanted to have. So then for me, it really was worth spending the extra money. And what did I say? I bought it for like another 50, like $55 or something like that and change. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was worth spending the money to upgrade to the next version. Like like you said, if it, it's not broke, don't fix it. And for me, it did feel a little broken, at least, you know, it could have been just user error, but I wanted the extra features. So for me, I did feel like it was worth it for the extra features. So I did pull the plug in or pull the trigger and upgrade on that. So um, so back to what we're, we're talking about, our use case scenario basically is, you know, we're wanting to share vaults between just the two of us now. And we do have the standalone version. We, we don't have the same versions, but that doesn't seem to matter. So when, when it came down to like, okay, how are we going to share these, these passwords? And it wasn't like we had a whole lot, but it was one of those things, well, we're geeks, you know, let's just tinker around with this. So I did like I've always done with the same thing like I've done with the family and the kids. I created a vault. And then I shared it in our shared Dropbox. So for my kids and my husband, they all have their one password vaults in a Dropbox. And then those Dropbox then I have synced to both my iOS app and my Mac app. And so that's the same thing that I did then with you, Elisa, is I created a vault on my end and I synchronized it to our shared Dropbox. So now we have a vault just for Geekish Ever so that we can share passwords between us. And then what did I do? I, I think I sent, I think I just put it in the Dropbox because I don't right. think I had to give you like yep. an invitation or anything. Nope, you dropped it into the Dropbox and then I had to mm-hmm. import it into one right. password. And we'd already discussed what the password, the master password mm-hmm. would be in messages, mm-hmm. you know, talk to each other. So then all you had to do was enter that master, master password. Right. So you're now using your one password similarly to how I've been using it all this time with a synced Dropbox. And that's what you're going to end up having to do if you wanted to add your husband. Just like you said, you're going to have to have create a free Dropbox account for him and set up a vault in your one password for him and then put it in his, you know, sync it to his Dropbox. And then on his devices, then he can log in, you know, he can use one password and open up the vault and sync it using Dropbox. The reason why you can't, why it's not working with iCloud is because it that's not supported. To my knowledge, that's what's always, you know, not really worked is you can't have, you can sync it with iCloud. You certainly can. And for people who are just individuals, that's exactly what I recommend. If you're not, you know, having all these extra needs, it doesn't really make sense for you to go and spend $60 or I guess it wouldn't be $60. It would be, what was it, like 36 or something for an individual? $36 a year if you prepay for the year. Mm-hmm. So, so that's annually. Every single year, you're going to be paying that much, and if you don't have all these extra needs that that it supports, then it's kind of like why bother? It's another like you know, stop broke, well, don't fix it. The the argument for doing it, well, there's a couple of arguments. Mm-hmm. You um, you don't have to wait for I one uh, password seven or one password eight and one password nine correct to get the correct. new features. If they come correct. out with a new feature tomorrow. Boom, you've got the new you get feature. It. Exactly. So that's exactly. on the plus side of having the subscription. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about having a Dropbox account. You don't have to worry about having an iCloud account. Exactly. Everything is synced mm-hmm. on their server. Now, I don't know if there's a way for you to back up on your own device, just in mm-hmm. case. I, you know, since neither one of us have, a, uh, have that uh, yep. subscription, we don't know if there's a way of taking the information that we have in our vaults and backing them up 
privately on our own Macs just in case something happens to their servers because mm-hmm. stuff happens. We know that. We, right. know that. we know there's been iCloud outages. We know that Dropbox had problems every now and then. So that'll be that, one of the first things. I'm going to have to make a list of all the things that I want to look for if I decide to go with the subscription model. Yeah. So that's what you have to weigh. And for some people, it might just be the simplicity of not having to deal with them having to manually sync mm-hmm. their devices together or them manually have to doing things that seem so much easier by having the subscription. So basically, right. it's it's what works for you. And obviously, mm-hmm. for Melissa and I, what works for us is spending mm-hmm. the 55 to $65 for the license. And I figure for me, mm-hmm. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If something happens mm-hmm. where I do need to upgrade to 7, at that point, I will. I have no mm-hmm. problem. I've been using this since, I don't know, 2007 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly how long. I've been using it since about version three. So whenever yeah, that came Yeah, same for out. me. Yeah. Yeah, so, version two and version three. Yeah. So whenever that came that's, out. That's over 10 years. Yeah. yeah that's over that's a decade how long that we've been using We've it. been using one password. Well worth right. the money. Um, yeah. But if it ever gets to the point where they say, you know something, we're not doing it anymore. We're not doing individual licenses. If you want to use right. one password, you have to get the subscription. I'll get the subscription because one mm-hmm. password is one of those apps that I cannot live without. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's I agree. no way. Yeah, so this is not to say that, you know, I'm not advising anybody to not go with the subscription model. I mean, I I only don't like the subscription model simply for the reason that it's just expensive. It's just for a family. It's just really it's, it's another added expense. You're paying $60 a year year over year over year. Um, Before the show, we were talking about this. I made a spreadsheet where I basically logged all the history over the last decade of all the versions that I had purchased, like what I had paid out. And in 10 years time, I might have spent a little over $100, you know, under under $110 because, you know, I've gotten it with discounts and education and and things like that. You know, we've, we've tried to save money on this, but that's over 10 years time. If I were to look at what I've spent annually over 10 years, I've only spent under under $12, like almost $11 with all the tax and everything a year. <laughs> and now you're now you're asking me to spend $60 a year. So that's like there's just a lot to bite off and chew and I'm not trying to sound like a, a cheapskate. It's just that and it, believe me, I believe in in paying developers. They they have to eat. They they have all these, you know, overhead costs that I don't have and I'm not trying to stiff anybody. I'm just trying to be a frugal responsible person that has a family to manage and yeah, just like I agree, this is definitely something that when push comes to shove, I'll definitely pay for it. But for the time being, if I can save money, then it's my responsibility to do, to do so. I have to weigh what our needs are versus, well, you know, it'll do it for you automatically. Yeah, I get that. That that's, that's awesome. And it's definitely worth paying for. But if I can enroll it myself, if I can, if I'm willing to put up with the sync issues, that's why I'm calling this a, a syncing snafu, because the, the downside of, of doing this is when you're adding things to Dropbox vaults, for example, things that are synced in Dropbox, you have to force quit the app and you know relaunch it. You have to go into the settings and force sync. So it doesn't always just work. It doesn't always just work. You know what I mean? It doesn't work automatically. That's what you're paying extra for. You're paying extra to not have to think about this stuff. You're paying the extra for the convenience of everything just being kind of like taken care of for you. And I think that's wonderful. And for people who can afford to do that without without batting an eye, that's great. But, but for people like me and a family, I if I am willing to do the work to save the money, then that's what I have to do. You know what I mean? So that's the only reason, that's the only thing that's keeping me from right now, from moving to the subscription model. Like I know that when I do, you know, I don't know if this is if this is the same everywhere, but like if you belong to a Mac users group, you can check your local your local users group or, you know, places that you're affiliated. And sometimes there's discounts for being a member. You know, like if you're, you know, AAA member or something like that, you get discounts on on travel services, things like that. So there's I'm sure there's plenty of places um, I could enter a contest. There's there's plenty of places that that I could get a discount for. So that's not the issue. It's just the issue of of one more thing to afford. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that these subscription models, I understand the developers need to make money. I understand that I'm, I'm not wanting to take money out of anybody's mouth, but it is like death by a, a thousand paper cuts. It's one more utility bill to pay, you know? And that's what I would, that's probably what I would look at when Password does is it is as important as say having, you know, on the, on the sub- software subscription side of things, 
I would equate it to having, like, say, electricity. You know, you need to have electricity. You need to have the internet nowadays. It used to be that having an internet fee per month was a luxury, right? Now it's more of a necessity and it should be considered a utility bill, right? So that's what I would kind of view the annual subscription fee as kind of like a membership fee to one password as in the future when I do switch to it, because it's inevitable. I probably will switch to it. But just right now, this is how I have been able to save money by using the standalone version. And so that's what we what we've been talking about is, you know, kind of ways to not necessarily circumvent it to get around it because we want to stiff anybody, but just another way to do things that's a totally legit way to do things. It's just that it involves a little bit more work. And and we're geeks. We we tinker. That's what we do. So I'm willing to do the tinkering that's required and even break stuff to try to get it to work because that's just that's kind of my jam. That's what I do. I learned how to fix things by breaking them. Let me ask you, uh, I'm on the website right now. Now, one one positive about 1Password, if you're doing it online, uh, this, the, the, the uh, subscription oh, model is mm-hmm. they bill you annually. So mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least you don't have to pay $3 every single month. I mean, I yeah. have a few subscriptions that I am paying for, you know, like Netflix and Hulu and mm-hmm. so on and so forth, where it's like, you look it down, oh, just got billed $4, up, oh, just got billed $3, you know, and mm-hmm. you just want to say, can I just give you, like Hulu, I'm paying mm-hmm. $1.99 a month. Last year, I was paying 99 cents yeah, a month. Yeah, that's really ridiculous. And it's like, why it? can't I just give you $12? I'll just let, here, here, take the $12 now. I kept getting billed 99 cents every single month. So annoying. Yeah, that's stuff so, by a, pa- a thousand paper cuts right there. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you're going to get your money either way. It's like, just bill me. But that's the nice thing there is that you're just going to get billed 36 bucks, probably plus tax, and that's that. But one thing I'm curious about, not that it really matters right now with COVID, nobody's going anywhere, but with your license with 1Password 7, do you have the travel mode where you can, uh, if you're afraid of crossing a border, you're going into Canada, or you're you know traveling out of the country and you're coming back in, and you're afraid that maybe custom wants to look through your phone? They have a travel mode where you can delete your real, you know, you can delete certain passwords. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged enough to say that I have not had to exercise that. I haven't had to use that. And to be honest, I don't, I'm looking in my one password iOS app right now and I'm not, you know, readily seeing something available in the settings. So I'm not, I think that that is a feature of the subscription model. Yeah. So that See, there again, it's just it's one of those things that yeah. it's a great feature to have. It's definitely an argument for paying yeah. the subscription if you're somebody who It's travels, just not a need that I yeah. have. If you're somebody mm-hmm. who travels a lot and maybe has some sensitive passwords that you don't want anyone else to get, that's something mm-hmm. to consider for the subscription. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's just you know, luckily I don't have I, don't, I have other things that I'm unlucky about. But that's one thing that I'm luckily I, I haven't had the need to have to use. So that's what it's been about for me is like weighing out what are my needs versus, you know, what do I really, really need in a password manager versus what would just be nice to have at this point in time or what would just be more convenient to have. And so I'm using it in a very inconvenient way, but I'm also saving money by doing that way. So it's not something I recommend for for anybody else unless you really are capable of doing the work that's that's required to do this and and not getting upset when it doesn't work. You know, like I when I see that something isn't synchronizing properly, I know that, well, you know, if I just paid a little extra for the for the subscription model, I wouldn't have to be dealing with this. But it is what it is. And I just accept it, you know, so I just accept it. I keep going back, though, to the backups, because one mm-hmm. password, I have so many backups when I look and see how many, you know, I end up deleting yeah. a bunch of them because there's so many. They do what, 24 backups they hold on to? So, well, it depends on your settings. Like you can tell it to do it once a day and that sort of thing. But I mean, they so. have a list of like 24 backups they keep at a time. It's something I know when I do my Omni Disk Sweeper, I, it shows how many mm-hmm. backups. Plus, you can also go into Unpassword and find your backups. And I end up deleting a whole bunch of them because like I don't need that many backups. Yeah, I've so, got them back through 2018. So it's yeah. just not something... I mean, if you're really concerned about space, I, I am, which I you probably you are, because yeah. yes, so I that you have. I delete uh-huh. them. Like I, I still have a month's worth. Like I deleted everything yeah. from August, so and mm-hmm. half of September at this point, because I don't need all those. Because you can see the number going up. You can see, well, at this date, I had a thousand pieces of data. Now I've got a thousand fifty. Well, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to lose those fifty, so I delete thousand and keep the thousand fifty. But are mm-hmm. you going to have that backup 
if you do the subscription? Are you going to be able to export that data so that you can have a backup on your Mac that you can Uh then back up to Time Machine or Blackbase or an external Uh drive just in case? That's going to be another thing we should put on the list of like what to compare like once because I probably what I what I might do is like I might sign up for the trial just so that I can see what the, just these differences are because that's going to be something important. I'll, I'll tell you why this is a good segue into what else I wanted to talk about, which was a little bit of a, a check in on distance learning. I didn't want to go too deep with it, but um, that was another little bit of an almost gotcha like we almost got caught. Those backups right there that you're talking about. So if you're if you're looking at it in one password on the standalone version for Mac, if you go into the preferences, there's tabs across the top and it's it's called backup and it'll show you how many backups. And for mine, it says backups are created automatically up to 30 daily and 24 monthly files are kept. And so for mine, like I can scroll back through to November 30th of 2018. Okay. And then you could choose one of those and click restore. So for you, because you're really concerned about space, that's something that you kind of have a hawk's eye on and you're you're constantly watching it. For me, you know, that's just part of your workflow. For me, it's just it's one of those things I don't I don't care. I just let it sit there. You know, if I really was starting to worry about running out of space or something, then that I would probably go and investigate that. But this part right here, this backup section, this is what saved my husband's bacon the other day. Um, remember you said we should talk about this. I was like, oh yeah, it's really timely. So another consideration for distance learning for teachers, students, you know, people who are are remotely doing this stuff nowadays is data loss. And specifically in this case is password manager data loss. So just quick story, I'll, I'll tell you what happened is my husband has been using an HP, it's like an elite book or something, you know, something issued by the school. They had a one-to-one initiative. So all the teachers got laptops, all the students got laptops. Um, now he works in a type of school where, like I said to him, I was like, you know, I wish we could just like, you know, submit, like, you know, teachers have to submit, you know, you can ask your son about this too. They have to submit like order proposals. Like I used to have to do it when I worked, like I have to buy, you know, so much, um, printer ink and so much paper and, you know, the, the supplies, the M&O, you know, those kinds of things. Well, I, I've asked him for years and years and he always says, anytime he tries, they kind of shoot it down. They can't purchase individual software licenses for individual teachers. Now, I'm sure that's different across all different kinds of schools, but in this particular school, you know, they're pretty strapped for cash and it's just not something that they will supply teachers with. And part of it is the process. They have to go through a bidding process and then they have to go to the lowest bidder. You know, it's like, you can't just say, well, I want this particular software license for me, for my computer, and it's going to cost this much. Will you pay for it? No, it just doesn't, it does not work that way. I've tried I tried again. It just doesn't work that way. So we're on our own for having to do this. So years and years ago, we were able to get the um, Windows license for his computer. Now, talk about if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here's here's a perfect example that he's using version four of 1Password. That's how long he's been using it on on this, you know, not even on this PC necessarily, because we have reinstalled this in the past, but it was years ago. So he's had, needless to say, he's had this PC for several years now. Well, then what happened was the battery started to swell. And I said, you better get that taken care of because, you know, that could blow up. That could, you know, cause a real problem. So finally, 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 after nagging him about it, he finally took it into the IT department. Of course, this is all during pandemic and you have to like schedule an appointment and, you know, put all your PPE and all that stuff. So he went out to the school and got it exchanged. Before he left, I said, you know, because I used to do this, it used to be my job to re-image the teacher's computers, you know, when there was an upgrade or there was some big you know, thing we would, we had like tape backups and stuff. So everything was always backed up and it was my job to ensure that there wasn't any data loss. So this kind of went back to my, my professional training. I was like, all right, well, let's make sure that everything's backed up. And so I kind of, you know, poked through and it's on windows. So, you know, how that goes, I kind of poked through some stuff and I was like, well, you know, we better back up this one password data here. And so I dragged and he's using Google drive to back everything up. So I, so I took that folder and I dragged it off. I even, you know, had a thumb drive ready to go. And so we were trying to figure out like what was syncing to the cloud and what wasn't. And it came to be that here, like, I don't know, it could have even been more than a year that his sync was actually broken. He was, his, his laptop was originally set up to, this is another little bit of a PSA, like pay attention to this stuff, find a way to make certain, like do a test or something to make certain that your, that your work issued laptop or your school issued laptop in particular is backing up because we found out that here, even though it said that there it was all his files were being saved in a Google Drive folder, that folder 
had a little cloud with a line through it that he didn't see before. And, or maybe he did, but he didn't understand what it meant. And it's so tiny and stuff. Or he got a message that he didn't know how to interpret. And he's like been so overwhelmed that he didn't have time to like deal with it. And so we found out that here for who knows how long, the sink was broken and it, it was storing things in a folder on his hard drive called Google Drive, but it wasn't actually literally synced to Google Drive. And the reason why was because somewhere along the line, something changed and it was like there were these two different products. Like one was called Backup and Sync and the other one was called Google Drive Stream, I want to say. Maybe that sounds familiar to people. And so he was, he, I forget which one, I think he chose the stream and he should have been using the other one. Either way, the wrong thing was selected and he didn't know it. And he didn't know that it wasn't getting synchronized, except for the fact that every once in a while he would log into the browser and go look for something and he couldn't find it. And then you have to go hunt through his drive or something like that. I mean, there were like little clues along the way, but when you're so overwhelmed with everything that's going on right now, it's hard to really like figure that stuff out. So it, it actually came down to this battery swelling issue that that kind of forced us to sit down and look at this and say, okay, you've got to turn this laptop in. There's probably there's a high probability that they're going to have to like either give you a different one, they're going to swap it out, or they're they're going to erase it and start over or something. So I said we better have it backed up. So we did, and sure enough, when he came back, he said, yep, they had to reimage it. It had like malware on it and stuff. I mean, he just didn't even know. He had this plugin that said that it was managed by the administration. <laughs> Well, what would you think if you saw that? Like you would think, okay, well, I can't mess with it because, you know, teachers are just kind of trained that, you know, there's 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 stuff that they can do and there's stuff that they can't do. You know what I mean? So he just assumed, which I would have, I would have totally assumed that that was the case. Turns out it wasn't something that the IT could verify. So it was malware. So anyway, he came back home with not a new PC, but they they did put a new battery in it, but it had to be reimaged. So we kind of knew that was going to happen. Then he was like, okay, well, now I've got to teach a class and, you know, I've got to get back to work and stuff. And like, ah, so I had to go and try to reconnect all that. So there was, luckily, there was only a handful of stuff that software that he had, he had to reinstall. Well, 1Password was one of them because when it came back reimaged, of course, it didn't have that on there. So we had to go back, find the old version. Luckily, it was there. And that's the thing that I'm so grateful about to 1Password that they they still keep older versions of stuff because in cases like this where you're, you're using a legacy version, um, you know, it could happen too if you're using a legacy device and you can't upgrade to the new version because it doesn't meet the specifications. I mean, that happens too. There's plenty of times where that happens where people are using older computers for a very specific piece of software and they want to be able to use one password on it to securely log into things and they have to be able to use a legacy version of it. So there's definitely, it's a small one, but there's definitely a use case for that. So we were able to reinstall the old version and that backups folder that we were just talking about, that's what saved us because I was able to go back and get, because here's the other thing that was happening. The At some point in time, this is why I brought up the Google Drive thing, at some point in time, that also changed too. The Dropbox syncing got broken. So just like we were talking about, we're syncing with Dropbox here. Now, had he had, had he been springing for, had he been paying for the subscription model of 1Password, this would not have happened, okay? So that's definitely the case for paying the money for the subscription model, that this this problem would not have happened, okay? But we're in a situation where we just couldn't afford to do that. The, the school just won't pay for that. Now, that's something I'm, another thing I'm going to put on the list that I'm going to be thinking about is if we go with the family's subscription model, am I going to be able to create a vault for my husband's work that's that remains separate? Because that's the thing is we've always wanted to keep that separate because if he does have to turn that laptop into somebody, we want to make sure that none of his personal stuff is in there, that it's all just work-related school stuff. You know what I mean? Because who knows what could happen to it? We don't, we don't know what happens to it after it leaves his hands. We don't know. We can't verify the security of that. So that needs to be kept separate. So we'll have to evaluate that and see, see what happens. But I was able to restore the latest backup that he that he did have that had current passwords in it. Because when he went and logged into it for the first time, after I set up, he's like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff missing. So I said, oh, hold on, let me go look. And so sure enough, I found by the modification date that, yep, sure enough, there was, there was a backup because it was making daily backups before he turned it in. And so there was a recent backup that I was able to restore from. But again, like the Dropbox synchronizing was broken because at one point in time, the administration of the school they blocked Dropbox. It's it's now working again, but at some point in time, you know, it could have been last year. Who knows how long it's been? Because this stuff just gets away from them so quickly because they get overwhelmed. So who knows how long how long it's been broken like that? 
But suffice it to say that there was stuff that was missing from one place to the other because it wasn't syncing. So I told him, I said, you're going to have to build into your workflow because because we're not affording the subscription model just yet. You're going to have to find some way to be checking on that on a regular basis. You're going to have to add it into your workflow. You know, every time you make a password or just like set yourself a reminder, you're going to go back, back to reminders after to do's or something. Set yourself some kind of alert that comes up and says, you know, check and make sure that this, this is synced. Again, all stuff that would be taken care of if you just paid for it, make, you know, pay to make it go away. But we're not we're not there yet. So so data loss is going to be a big issue for at least I fear anyway. I hope it isn't. But I fear that data loss is going to be a big issue for people who are working from home, people who are working remotely, um, learning, teaching, whatever, that, that there's going to be some data loss there. So those are some things to look out for. Make sure that your syncing is set up. Make sure that you have a way to check it. It's kind of like a fire drill. Make sure that, you know, you're making like a test document. What I do, so this is a tip, um, what I do in 1Password to deal with this is in the secure notes section, I make a note that says, you know, created on, you know, in the name of the device at such and such time. And then I go to the other device, I check it, make sure it's synchronizing, and then I make a change and then I check it, check it back the other direction to make sure that it's syncing. So it's manual, it's extra work to do, but, you know, I'm willing to do it myself to, to save a little bit of cash on it until we can't afford it. So um, what else did we get through? Everything we wanted to get through for one password for, I guess the other thing we wanted to look at was like, if we do, if one of us does sign up, I'll probably check into it soon. If one of us does sign up for the, um, the, the subscription model, we were trying to figure out how we would be able to replicate what we just did, which was I created a vault in, in Dropbox and shared it with you. Am I going to be able to still do that without having to use Dropbox if I go for the subscription model? And it looks like when you looked at the individual plan, it looks like you couldn't really do that. But if I was on the family plan, it looks like that I could invite you as a guest. So that's something we'll be investigating. Yeah, it was a little ambiguous, but it did lean toward you couldn't do it on an individual plan. So that's a drawback, too. If you need to share with other people who are not in your family, mm -hmm. that may not And you're work. an individual. Yeah, if you're an individual. Mm -hmm. So one individual wants to share with another individual, can you? It's not mm -hmm. looking like it from what you know research that we did before we started to hit the record button. Um, if anybody knows the answer to that, if we're wrong, please, please let us know. We would really like to know. Um, yeah, because I mean, we've been using this for a decade and we don't know the answer like readily available. So it makes me wonder, like, how would a, a new person be able to figure that out? You know, so, so it's not that we're dumb or anything. <laughs> we're just we're just trying to investigate this. So we want to know if that's possible. Yeah. And we want to give you the accurate information, you know, to the best of our knowledge. And right now we're not really sure. So if you know the answer, if you have a subscription and you're an individual subscriber, can an individual share a vault with an individual through a subscription? Mm -hmm. Melissa, how would people let us know? Oh, it's so easy. You just email us podcast at geekyashowever.com. Is there or another way? There is another way. You could go to geekyashowever.com and you could go to one of our posts, like maybe this one, and click on the comment and actually leave us a comment so that we can get a comment from a real life human person. And there's probably one other way they can get in touch. What do you think that is? The Twitters. The Twitters. The yes. Twitters, as guys we're, we're on the Twitters. call it. <laughs> yes, you can reach me at Sensei Dai on Twitter. And for you, Melissa? You can find me online, not just Twitter, but online all over at the Mac Mommy. I have a Facebook page, too, for, for my business, and I'd like to post this stuff there. So if that's where you need to catch me, then that's where you need to catch me. Okay. So once again, we'd love your feedback, uh, questions, comments, show ideas, if there's something you'd love for us to talk about. If it's something in our wheelhouse, we would love to talk about it for you. So let us know. Um, looking forward to hear from everybody. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Have a great two weeks and please everybody stay safe.
Some people like their live casts to be informative, to the point, provocative, and timely. The Mac to the Future live cast is some of those things, but we won't say which ones. Join Dave Ginsberg, Guy Searle, and Warren Sklar for a weekly dose of Apple Fun every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Facebook or in the Mac to the Future Facebook group. 